Following Christ is not to be a solo sport. Absolutely is not. You see that even in the life of Jesus with his disciples. It wasn't a solo thing. I have enjoyed watching uh, The Chosen. We're starting second season and just watching the community. And again, they're depicting it. They're filling in between the lines. But it's just a joy to watch the interaction because sometimes we think of Jesus and the disciples not being, in a sense, real people living in a real world. And it's great to kind of be refreshed with that. But there was community. They were together. And only in community does unity get tested. Only in community does unity get tested, especially when it comes to following Christ. I have to be with other people and be in situations where they step on my toes and I step on their toes and we figure out how to navigate that and see what it is that following Christ means to relationships. Um, It's community and unity. Uh, this week, as I started to put my thoughts together and go, oh, it's community group time. I got to figure out how to be really encouraging, motivate, how to twist people's arms to get into a community group. What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? You know, it's got to be whatever. I was kind of like, oh, I can't stand coming up with a message for this because, you know, it is what it is, right? And, you know, people that are into it are into it. People that are like hesitant or hesitant, what do, what do you say? And about that time, I got this email. If you receive the pulse, I, I included it in the little encouragement for today. But uh, I got this uh, email, and it really just blew my what, mind because God gave me this right at the right time from a young, attend, a young adult who attends our church. Right? So I would like to be interested in both because I gave him a couple options, community groups most likely, or at least one of them. Whatever my schedule would allow at that time, I really just need to spend more time with other Christians and have more involvement overall to stay focused on the straight and narrow. Whatever the contents would be would be good for me regardless, I'm sure. So in other words, this individual is saying it doesn't really matter what the study's on. It doesn't matter what that is. I'm not looking for so-and-so-and-so. I just need other Christ followers a part of my life I need other people rowing in the direction that I want to row in to encourage me. I need community, and I need the unity that comes from that in following God's purposes that are for our lives together. Jesus says it this way, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. Say, what does that have to do with a small group? Well, I've been in some small groups where there's a lot of competition going on below the surface. There's a lot of competing. There's, there's not much cooperation. It's me first and those kinds of things, and you have to work through that. So in a community group, you learn how to not compete or fight. You learn to get along, to actually be Christ followers, to move forward. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. And I love that last line, too. You discover who you really are. You need to be in relationship with other people. And you figure out who you are, and you figure out who you are as a Christ follower, and your place in God's family, in a sense, what you bring to the table. Because I'm going to say everybody brings something to the table. Uh, 
if you're not bringing who you are to the table of a local church, there is a puzzle with a piece missing. And no one likes to do a puzzle with a piece missing on the front side of it. I've talked to you about puzzles and my love or dislike of them. But anyway, but you get the idea. You are not here by accident. There's a place for you somewhere. And if this isn't the place, you ought to find the place. So this other times, if in Seneca County and beyond in the Finger Lakes, if there's no church out there that you can actually become a part of, maybe it's not the church's problem. Maybe you have a piece of that problem. Because there's got to be a place where you can invest your life, join a community, and be a part of it for years to come. Not until something better comes along. That becomes the place you belong. Now, some of us have been a part of community groups, small groups, uh, you know, ministry groups. Uh, you know, it's, it's where you're actually regularly, intentionally interacting with another person. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not been a pleasant experience or you've kind of said, man, I just want to kind of a, like a check that off the list. Uh, we really want to be a church not with community groups, not with community. We want to be a church of community groups. And sometimes when it's just a church with community, not of community groups, you find them acting like this. Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business? trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past? Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with them. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. You'll never hear us use the term, unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. You'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. You have great accountability. And spiritual growth. Who wants growth? I had a growth removed last week. It wasn't pleasant. There's no pressure here to remember each other's name. What's going on, buddy? Oh, hey, man. How's it going? Oh, dude. Definitely wants to We know you have a name, and that's the important thing. Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially? There's tension in the relationship? Uh, that's not really the vibe we're going for. We avoid conflict like the plague. And there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial. But hey, the word supers and superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Won't you join us? <laughs> That's what we're trying to avoid. So what is community? I've given you this definition before. Christian community is the mutual bond that Christ followers have with Jesus and others, which flows out of the sharing common attitudes, interests, and directions. And I don't know about you, but I need people that, again, are rowing in the same direction that I hope to be rowing in as I follow Christ. I need people in my life that know me well enough that they can point out areas that are out of alignment with what it means to be following Christ. If nobody knows you that well, 
then you're really not in community. There ought to be, besides maybe your spouse or your parents or a sibling, there ought to be some people in your life that know where the chinks are in your clinks are in your armor. They ought to know that. And if no one knows, if everyone thinks you're perfect, I mean, they would never say you're perfect, but they don't know any of that stuff, you don't have any close relationships. I hate to say it. That's, that's the reality. Somebody needs to know. And it's not to beat you up, but it's to help you grow. And you also, on the flip side, need to know people well enough that in the right time and the right way, and we've done other messages on this, that you can speak into their life. And after they go, ouch, 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 after they get over being offended, they actually go, hey, that was right. That person's right. I, I need to grow in that area. Again, Christian community, we are not a solo sport. If you're trying to grow in your faith and you want to pursue Christ, community has to be a part of it. Now, yes, it can happen formally in a community group. It can happen in a ministry group. Sometimes you can have relationships where you're not in official community group, but, but you also can play games with that. You say, oh, I don't need a formal community group, but the reality is there's no one close to you on a regular basis that you're helping each other grow in. Again, we can play all kinds of games, but we need community. The disciples were a community. It goes on and on and on, and we see it. We see it all over. So, you know, when we're thinking about this, uh, just some common things that get in the way that create uh, relationship poverty caused us to get in the way, and some of it is just the, the culture that we live in, and some of it's this increased mobility. You and I can just go about and do our own thing, and, and we've, got the, we've got increased financial ability. We may not feel like we do, but you and I can go and do things, and, and that's all good. We ought to go and do things, but that also can interfere with us having some real community because we're so mobile. We can move around. We can do different things. Also going along with this is modern conveniences. Share with this before. My dad loves to share the story that all the ladies in his neighborhood when he was growing up in the mid to late 1930s, yikes, that's old, but that's the years he was growing up, into the early 40s, all the older ladies would sit under this big tree across the street and uh, shell peas or snap beans or whatever they do, and they would just be talking away. Well, today, you know, you, you, you know, some of you do that kind of stuff, but you don't necessarily get together with like six or seven other people. Maybe you do. But uh, that community piece, because of modern conveniences, just continues to go. Uh, you know, you, you just don't have that. It's, it, it affects our relationships and our ability to have them or make them happen. Uh, rise in social media, obviously, uh, you know, you've heard me talk about this before. Uh, the most connected, disconnected generation ever. Um, you know, you can know something about uh, somebody that you knew 30 years ago instantaneously. You feel like you're a part of their life, but you really aren't a part of their life. And it kind of gives this false sense of I'm connected, but you really aren't. I, I, I liked Facebook. I like knowing what's going on. Friends from years and years and years ago, uh, you know, was a youth pastor. So I love seeing some of the things going on youth group. Uh, kids' lives that now are in their 40s and, you know, all that kind of thing. But uh, it's a connection, but it's really not a real connection. 
And so we have to, we have to balance that. We have to understand that. Uh, all of us have been with somebody, and sometimes we've been that person ourselves. We're in a room with people, and we're on our phone. And so we're there, but we're really not there. So we're connected, but not connected. We're connected with somebody across the country, but we're not connected with people in the room. It's, you know, it's just crazy. So we just have to take understanding of that. Um, I, you know, those of you who have younger kids, you've got to figure this out. You've got to think this through. Uh, a few months ago, uh, we did a sermon on technology with some great ideas, I think, in there about how to set up boundaries and things like that. You can refer to that later. Also, there's this idea, and I, and it's, it, I don't want to be come across as a rebellious person, but accepted isolation. Uh, so this culture with COVID and all this kind of thing, I'm not saying you shouldn't, you shouldn't, uh, you know, isolate when you, you know, when you quarantine and all those kinds of things. But it's kind of like we, we've let ourselves become even more fragmented, and we need to be a part of people's lives, and so. We shouldn't accept it in a sense and let that become the new normal. When we're healthy, when we're okay, we should be interacting with people. We shouldn't let everything kind of shrink away from that, and it's easy to do that. So when we're, we're thinking about relationships, and uh, this, is, this takes no great wisdom. It can be said a number of ways, and that's why we're saying it this morning. Um, you are one community away from having the course of your life and destiny change. You're one community away, being a part of one group of people. These don't happen overnight, but it actually starts changing your life. It can change your life positively or negatively. And uh, that is an option for all of us. And uh, we're one community away for change to take place in our life. And uh, I could give you story after story where uh, somebody becomes a part of a community, comes their friend set and all of that kind of thing, and it changes their life and it moves them in this direction or that direction, and uh, it's, it's obvious. You can see it happening. You can see where somebody hangs and how they hang out and all that. It starts to change the trajectory of their life. There's no aha moment in that. It's pretty obvious, except when you're in that and moving in that direction, and you do have that one friend that you've been in community, and they say, hey, 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 I think you're moving in this direction. This is going to happen. And you're like, oh, no, no, that won't happen. You know, you know we kind of ignore it, but uh, it's going to happen. It's pretty obvious. We see even in Acts how the early church, when they spent time, it moved them in a certain direction. The believers spent time listening to the teaching of the apostles. They shared everything with each other. They ate together and prayed together. They were in community. Many wonders and miraculous signs were happening through the apostles, and everyone felt great respect for God and awe for God. And all the believers stayed together and shared everything. They sold their land and things they owned. Then they divided their money and gave it to those in need. There was a spirit of generosity. And then we read on, the believers shared a common purpose. They were rowing in the same direction. And every day they spent much of their time together in the temple area. They also ate together in their homes. They were happy to share their food and ate with joyful hearts. And they praised God. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added those who were saved, those who said yes to Christ. They were so contagious in their community, their love for God, their love for others, that other people were attracted to it. And we live in a great day for this to happen. As you and I live out of community, it is contagious to people that aren't experiencing it. They see Christ in your love. 
and it touches their life. And, uh, you know, I said this uh, in the last couple weeks, and, and I almost don't like saying because I don't even want to go down that road. But what, a ma- what if COVID was like the next five years? Would, would that, like, ruin who you are? Or could you actually navigate through that following Christ and have a joy, not joy that COVID was still yucky, 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 but have a joy that was attractive to those who don't know Christ? Is it any different than somebody living in a worn, torn area who lives through War after war after war. What about a, a Christian living in Iraq? What about a Christ follower living in Afghanistan? 20 years of conflict, but 20 years of an opportunity to point to Christ. And I would never wish that on me. I would not want to step into that. But could our faith and our community actually weigh into that kind of world? Or would we be like, out, out? In an instant. It's all about the heart. It's not about rules. It's not about regulation. Writer of Hebrews says this new plan, this new relationship with God isn't going to be written on paper, isn't going to be chiseled in stone. This time I'm writing it out, the plan in them, carving it on the lining of their hearts. I'll be their God, they'll be my people. Just going through the motions, just adopting a lifestyle without a heart change goes nowhere. We need a heart change that comes out and affects life. And we can't do that alone. We need other people a part of our lives. Yeah, and this is not rocket science. Reveal your friends, your world, and I'll reveal your future. So obvious. It's, it's, you know, you can see it in somebody else's life. You can see who they're hanging around, what they're reading, what their entertainment looks like, what their rhythm of life is, and you can kind of figure out where they're going. It's not a secret. It's not shrouded in some kind of, you know, uh, shadowy cloud. It's, It's pretty clear. That's the direction they're going. That's the direction you and I are going. Be friends with those who are wise, and you'll become wise. Choose fools to be your friends, and you will have trouble. Enough said. doesn't mean we as Christians live in a holy bubble. It doesn't mean we don't have friends that aren't following Christ. But it means we're influencing those folks. They're not influencing us. And at least in my life, I need other Christ followers so that I can I can carry the weight of living in this world. I need other people rowing in that direction. I can't do it alone, and I think maybe that might be true for you. The righteous choose their friends carefully, those who influence their life, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. We've all thought of those times, had those times. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts. Good character and good morals dash good habits. I like the good habits. I mean, a lot of people that have good character have good morals, but they don't have good habits. That means they don't have good character and good morals. It ought to show up in the way you and I live. That 
sometimes why we have somebody that gets backed into a corner and they have all the good character, all the good morals. They can give you a verse and a time and a blah, 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 blah. But when they get backed into a corner, all of a sudden you see that they don't have good habits. And that's not to pick on them. It's to say, I don't want to be that myself. When I get backed into a corner, I want to be Christ-like. I don't want to go to my default, selfish, immature, lashing out response. I want a Christ response because Christ is written on the lining of my heart. If I just have rules and regulation, that won't cut it in that moment or those moments, and they do happen. So three directions that I need my friends and my world to inspire in my life. We'll go quickly through these. These are pretty obvious, but to slow down and digest what they look like in your life where you're living right now is really some of the application. If you look at the think it over questions, those questions are asked there. First of one, encourage me to embrace God's will. I need people around me that cause me to embrace God's will. 85, 90%, 95% of God's will for every person's will in this room is obvious. It's basic Christian Christ following lifestyle. The, the changes, the new job, the move here, the buy this, uh, you know, all that. Those are like the once in a while things. But the regular rhythms of life, 85, 90%, 95% is pretty clear. And I need other Christ followers in my life that help me move in that direction. Dave Lobley, dear friend, since five years old, when I need a douse, a dose, a shot of orthodox Christianity following Christ, I give Dave a call. And he is clear, uh, crystal clear. I need him to help me embrace God's will. Give Reuben a call. Give Ryan a call. Talk to the deacons, the leadership team. I need those people. And it's not the big mystery things. It's basic Christian living. I need someone rowing in that direction that just gives me a little bit more of a nudge, a little bit of a pat on the back that goes, keep going that way. Uh, Jesus even needed that. We could take a look at Jesus turned and said to Peter, this is when he's talking about giving his life, going to the cross. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And, and it's not getting into all the complexity of what Christ is about to do, but just giving your life away. That was the basic component there. Jesus is being generous with his life. And Peter is still thinking, no, you are, but you're not. You're supposed to be a little, you're supposed to take, you're not supposed to give your life away. And Jesus says, you're, you're getting in the way. You have things of man in mind, not of God. And we need people in our life that think that way. Also, support me in resisting sin that tantalizes me. We need people that know the sins that tantalize you and me. Where we're on the edge, what we're tempted to do. Again, if we don't have anyone who knows that, who comes from a Christ-following perspective, who's going to speak into our life, who we give permission to life, we live in community with them that way, we are in trouble. You desire, grow, you, you desire grows inside you until it results in sin, then sin grows bigger and bigger and finally ends in death. Big problems. We need somebody who steps in and says, wait a minute. Dear friends, if bad companions tempt you, don't go along with them. The flip side of this is we need good companions that encourage us in the right direction. 
1 Corinthians 10, 13, familiar to many of us. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. We need people in our life that have experienced those times of testing so they can give us support, so they can help us say, don't go that direction. And it bothers us, but we eventually go, you're right, I'm not going to go in that direction. And sometimes the way out, as we see throughout this verse, is not just a way out. It's having people in our life that help us see it, help us go, this is the course of direction. This is the direction you should go. God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, the nature, and the timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And bear it not alone, with God and with others. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. And sometimes I need that friend to say that to me. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victorious. Sometimes I need a friend that's already gone through it, and they've resisted, and they're on the other side of it, and it's victory in their life. I need that encouragement. And reading that verse is great, but I need somebody with skin on that has actually experienced it. That's also why I love the fact that Jesus came to earth and experienced life as a human being. So when we pray to him, he understands. But we also need a person. Lastly, the idea to urge me to love unconditionally. I need people in my life that when I'm starting to not be loving, say, hey, Dave, you're not being loving. You act like you're being loving, but that's a self-serving love. How many times are you and I loving, but it's a two-way street? We're doing something nice for someone because we know we're going to get something nice back. There are times in my life where I need to have one-way relationships where I give myself away with no expectation of getting anything in return, even a good reputation. So as a pastor, sometimes I need to say, I'm doing this in secret because I don't want anyone to know because I don't want to do this so they can say, oh, Dave's such a good pastor. I, I want to do it. I, I want it one way. But sometimes I need people in my life to challenge me in this way. So I keep giving my life away unconditionally. Discover creative ways to encourage and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. And you need to do that not by yourself. You need to be creative together. It just happens. And, uh, you know, last spring, you know, we were trying to think about how to celebrate and encourage and be loving to all those working in education systems in Seneca County. And we're brainstorming as a, as a leadership team. And uh, we came up that everybody loves apple fritters. So we ended up buying like a 1,000 apple fritters and gave them to all the teachers, all the truck drivers, you know, bus drivers, all that kind of stuff, and just got them out there. But that happened because we were creative. And that's just scratching the surface. That's nothing. But there's ways to be loving. You need each other to work that out. And that's what happens in groups. This is not a time to pull away and neglect, neglect meeting together. A lot of times we as pastors use this as to come on Sunday morning, and that can be an application for this. But really, it's about small groups, and really it's about close relationships, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage each other and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. When Christ returns and sets everything right, 
We want, we want it, but we want to wait it because I don't know about you, but I know some people that haven't said yes to Jesus, and the longer he delays, the more opportunity that that person might accept Christ. And I'm willing to wait at least a little longer. So maybe my friend, maybe my family member, you have those people, will finally say yes to Christ. But we need each other to kind of move through this. So I said earlier, you can package it a bunch of ways. We're so connected, but unconnected. Don't let all your connections, don't let all the distractions out there cause a disconnection. Fight for it. Fight to be in community with others that are following Christ. Community groups through the church may be one way. Ministry groups, I don't... Not as concerned where, but, but you need real, tangible uh, groups that are helping you follow Christ. If you don't, you're not growing the way you have the opportunity to grow. We need each other. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We're thankful for the, all the examples you give to us in Scripture. Father, we just don't want to know about it, but we want to know through doing and being who we're reading about and what we're reading about. Uh, we want to experience you in our day-to-day -day life. Lord, help us to have, help us to find groups of people that are following you that would encourage us. Not at the exclusion of being a witness in our world, but at the inclusion of having people in our life that help us move forward and grow in the direction you would have us to. We're thankful for the gift of friends. We're thankful for the gift of friends who say the hard thing. And may we also be that kind of friend to someone else. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.